You're listening to the Underdog Sports NFL Show with host Chris Horwadell and Mario Hines. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Each week, Chris and Mario welcome current NFL stars and discuss the biggest news from around the football world. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Underdog NFL Show. Chris Forward, I'll join by Mario Hines. Well look, uh, we've uh, lots to talk about. I've got uh, all the lines for this week's games open in front of me at Bavada Sportsbook. Now, I am always interested in, in like sort of really digging into the lines, and Bavada's really good about that. The thing here that fascinates me is that while they're plus 600 to win the division, uh, the AFC East specifically, if you look at the odds to win the AFC Championship, the Patriots are plus 3,500 while the Dolphins are plus 5,000. But, you know, that that Patriots team at plus 35 is behind teams like the Browns at plus 22 and the Colts at plus 18. Like, it, that is just, that's bananas to me that we're talking about. I, I know the Patriots got hit hard by some of the opt-outs, but, you know, and you could argue that their heart and soul is now residing in Tampa Bay, but... Man, they are significantly worse odds to win the AFC championship than the Browns team that has just not been able to figure things out up until this season. One of the big problems with the Patriots can be chalked up to the the incompatibility between Julian Edelman and Cam Newton. 13 catches through the first two weeks, they're one and one, and uh, just don't look very good after that. Only eight catches after those first two games in the pre- in the next four or five games for the Patriots and specifically for Edelman, he looks old and they don't look like they get it. Exactly. That's that's the biggest standout is that obviously Edelman's success was extended with uh, due to his relationship with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably their over preparation um, and just Tom's willingness to to make throws that that he can just trust his guy uh, over years and years of knowing what it looks like. With Cam being a completely different guy, um, touch not being his his strong suit, mm. and and the offense shifting dramatically, I don't think you know Julian has it to shift his his style of play, and I don't think Cam has it in him to become the over preparer to the level of of getting Julian you know the ball uh, when he's not that doesn't have that much separation. So what we're seeing is the end of uh, of a run for Mr. Edelman, unfortunately, and. That's the impact that we're seeing as far as the Patriots' offense. There's really no one to go to and nothing going on. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is he's still on pace for 104 targets, Edelman is, but only on pace for 56 catches and zero touchdowns. How scary and sad is that if, one, you're you know, Julian Edelman, and two, the Patriots' offense where you were relying on um, just vet leadership to get through this, mm-hmm. this hard time, you, and it's not, it's not turning into to production. I got an honest question for you right now, Mario Hines. Yep. If Cam Newton were to target you 104 times in a season right now, how many catches do you think you get? I think I'll even add to this in Julian Edelman's role specifically, running yeah. the similar routes. I think I could pull off 63 catches. Okay, so like you're you're putting yourself up for like a decent contract next off season, is what we're yeah. Saying. I think I think the Patriots pay me um pay me pretty well next year. Well, somebody does. I, mean, I think they're I think they're comp pick hunting, but <laughs> maybe, maybe they're looking for that comp pick in exchange for that sixty three catch Mario Hines season. Well, let's talk about. I mentioned the heart and soul being in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay now has a, a new wide receiver in the form of Antonio Brown. How do we think this is going to go? Um, <laughs> my um, 
my gut is to say uh-huh. how how does how did Antonio Re- uh, Brown respond to Bruce Arians' comment? Mm. That's the mm-hmm. thing I'm thinking about. Like, however he responded to that po- uh, personally with a room full of friends and family in the headquarters. Well, I think he's quarantining right now. In the mm-hmm. headquarters is how the season's going to go um, because that's going to come. That's the thing that is automatically um, th- going to be the consistent is accountability and accountability through the lens of Bruce Arians. If you're with it, <laughs> it'll be fine because Tom Brady and he respect each other so much. AB works very hard. I think he still has top 20 athleticism after that, this much time off, um, which would w- make him you know, a viable target. And so there's production to be had and success to be had. But if at one point that that, you know, that type of communication, that type of accountability starts to to gnaw mm-hmm. at Antonio Brown, uh, it's catastrophe, which, again, is is not is not going to shock anyone. No. And what's interesting to me is the, the Bucks have arguably the two most productive pass catchers in terms of scoring the ball in the past decade in Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. And they're probably options like I would say four and five on the offense. Jeez. And I don't know if you've watched, um, (laughs) but you know, Gronk is different and and rightfully so. Right. But man, man, is he not the scary, um, go to intimidating, uh, pass catching threat that he, he once was. And, and how that that shifts, I think, how the Buccaneers prepared to uh, to make Tom Brady successful. So um, it's really it's really interesting. So, but I think A B has the thing. Um, I think A B can do one the Julian Edelman role, play that role pretty well, extend mm. those catches. Um, but I think he also just adds another nuance uh, to the offense and 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 being able to to stretch the field um, in in ways that aren't just uh, four seams. Well, Bovada has the Bucks as the favorites in the NFC South right now at, at minus one eighty, Saints plus one forty. That feels like you know I don't I don't ever like to go with the favorites because the payout just isn't there. But this really feels like the way to go. The Bucks are going to win this division. Yeah, I, they also are getting better uh, all yeah. around. You know, and, and it's 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 starting to get clear because the Raiders are no slouch, uh, and, and and they look great. Tom Brady. As as Rusty may or, or, or may or may not have looked uh, in Week One, he's been fairly consistent. I think mm-hmm. you know no, what he's great. done. You he's know, been his, great. Yeah, his, 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 he's been consistent. His play has been uh, to be to be expected and respected, and that's only going to bode well for 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 them. As I think the Saints are also t- uh, topped out um, and only adding more drama. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know the Panthers again competitive, but. Not a great team, and the Falcons lost to the Lions. So, <laughs> you know, not sure what you're trying to say there. <laughs> um, Th- that it can't be good that you lost. No, it, it's probably not good. I will tell you the thing that we've learned uh, from this season, and I guess really just slap yourself on the head and be, get mad at yourself for not getting it uh, going into this because it's the same thing every year. We just we have to write off the first two weeks of any Tom Brady season is just he's getting used to playing at another year older because <laughs> since those first two weeks, he's been outstanding. And, you know, the team is four and one. 
Yeah, yeah. And adjusting to the age you're playing is is one way to say um, Tom Brady has been reinventing Mm -hmm. um, himself and his expectations and his impact to an offense for quite some time now. So, yes, like physically the age, but also how he sees the game and how um, how much that uh, time that takes for everyone to catch up. Maybe that's a little bit too much Tom Brady praise, but I'm going mm-hmm. there. Yeah, TB12 is on pace for 4,300 yards passing and 41 touchdowns Come on, this man. season. At, <laughs> at 43 years old. Just, <laughs> <He's> go- <laughs> it's insane. He's going to play He's gonna play two more years. He's going to play until he's 45. Per year. Yeah, it is it absolutely positively crazy. He like he's probably the MVP of the NFL right now. Uh, who's writing I mean, the script? That that Mahomes fella is pretty good, but it's yeah. tough it's tough to say that what Tom Brady's doing right now and how he's changed this Bucks team doesn't at least get him in that conversation. Right, right. And it's the thing that uh was willing to be tested, you know, is is Tom Brady you know, is does he bring that? Does he bring mm-hmm. that impact? Is it instant? You know, is it is it is it LeBron James esque as far as basketball goes? Yes, it is, and that alone um, is super impressive, considering what we've seen as far as football football goes and inserting in mm-hmm. the plug and play thing. Let's talk about your Detroit Lions. They make a move this week, acquiring defensive end Everson Griffin from the Dallas Cowboys for, I believe, a sixth round pick. How are you feeling about this? Uh, he hasn't been playing great this year. If no. I let that be the only gauge of how good this trade is, I'm not too enthusiastic. But there's some magic to um, being playing within the division that where you got your start, playing in a division where you played your best ball, seeing those teams mm-hmm. again, that familiarity. So I think uh, it bodes well for us depth-wise at a minimum. But I think he actually brings a little bit of splash uh, to a much-needed uh, D-line. Yeah, two and a half sacks isn't isn't wonderful, but anytime you can add a guy who knows what he's doing and is a threat to pressure the quarterback for a sixth round pick, it it feels like the right move. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no major there's no major loss. Again, stay healthy and the trade was worth it. Well, I'll tell you what, I think these lines need to shift a little bit after what we saw on Monday night. I'm looking at the odds to win the NFC North at Bavada, and you know, obviously the obviously the Packers are the favorite at plus 400 but after that you've got Bears at plus 325 and Lions at plus 1500 I don't think the gap is that big I don't either and what we saw when uh, they were head-to-head matchup was ineptitude Uh, not so much you know one team being that much better than the other and you know dare I jinx it Mm -hmm. uh, that that ineptitude has appeared to be shrinking uh, as the weeks go on, and I can't attribute it to any one thing, uh, but it's 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 apparent that it's changing. Yeah, and also changing. The Cowboys are clearly in tank mode at this point. Today they they uh, cut Dontari Poe and Daryl Worley because they found no takers for them on the trade market. This team just man, it, they're they are not in it for 2020. Let's put it like that, which is crazy because they are a half game out of the division lead. Yeah, it's weird. One thing I want to ask, because the only interesting thing now outside of the joy that everyone else may get um, seeing Dallas be this bad is, um, is there is there a feeling for you that Trevor Lawrence uh, being picked oh, to, the, to the Cowboys, going to the uh-huh. Cowboys, 
I know you don't want to think about it, but doesn't the, that feels much better and more Troy Aikman esque, you know, than uh, what we've seen even from Tony Romo having Dak at the quarterback at, to at, for the Cowboys? Doesn't that feel more elite and Cowboys worthy? Uh, look, I will never <laughs> ever in a million years praise the Dallas Cowboys, so I don't know what you're looking for from me here, but you're not going to get it. Uh, look, the the Trevor Lawrence competition, this might be an insurmountable lead at this point. Dallas has already won two games. I don't think the Jets are getting two wins this season. Also, nobody who needs a quarterback, regardless of how ridiculous the offer is going to be, is going to trade away the right to draft Trevor Lawrence. So while I think, you know, maybe, maybe... Uh, the Cowboys can get themselves in a position to go after like a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. I don't I don't think they can get high enough to get Lawrence. Both of the New York teams are just completely inept. True. True. If they're competing with um <laughs> the, you know, the 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 New York teams, it's gonna be an uphill battle. But the way they're going, who knows? And then look, that's that's fine with me. If they wanna go and swap out a guy in Dak Prescott who, you know, I think I said this last week, but his value is only going up and up and up to me at this point because of we we see how valuable he is to that offense and, you know, how far that team falls off when he's not there. They want to trade that guy for an unproven Justin Fields or Trey Lance who, if they hit their peak, might be Dak Prescott. Go for it. <laughs> true, true. but And it feels that way. Strangely enough, it feels that way that, you know what? Never mind. Um mm-hmm. And maybe it's the whole coming back from injury thing, which I can respect, but the rest of it, I, I can't. Yeah, they have, you know, they have bungled this Dak Prescott situation from day one. I've said it a million times. It, it feels like they don't value him. And it's hard for me to think that Dak doesn't feel that too, despite the fact that he is very much a cowboy through and through. And I don't mean to do the, you know, the Dr. Dr. Seuss thing here, but uh, it is... Uh, it, it does feel like he's a cowboy. This is where he's supposed to be. This is his team. And I don't know that the Cowboys feel that. I wonder what that does to him personally. I wonder what that internal monologue is like, wondering whether or not they value him the same way he values being a part of that organization. And it is, it's crazy to me because he is the guy more than anybody else that I've come to appreciate as a superstar football player this year by not watching him play. Right, right. And, <laughs> um, you know... It's a tough situation also just because healthy or not, um, there's always that risk that you can't duplicate that thing once you get to a new a new club. So yeah, it's just it's just been it's been sucky for, for Dak and uh and it's been a horrible job by the Cowboys. By the way, speaking of the odds to win uh, their respective divisions <laughs> at Bavada, the NFC East is an Ugh. absolute clusterfuck. It's, it's in the in the favor of my Philadelphia Eagles, of course, but but I'll still take it. Right now, Eagles minus 160 to win the division, the very clear favorites. Washington second at plus 350, and then the Cowboys at plus 425, the Giants at plus 1200. By the way, when we were talking about the... Uh, we were talking about the AFC East a little bit earlier. I didn't mention that the the Jets are plus forty thousand to win the <laughs> AFC East. Man, if a uh, <laughs> hundred bucks if, wins forty grand on the Jets right now. Oh my, that's what I'm saying. Like if they could just, if they could just. Now I'm thinking about <laughs> it. What way? What would it take? Well, how about this? You, you know, you're talking about the potential of Trevor Lawrence somehow ending up in in a Cowboys uniform. 
What if this were the scenario? What if Joe Douglas and the Jets went out big this offseason and they signed Dak Prescott? And then all of a sudden, you have that you have Prescott as your superstar quarterback. That number one pick is worth, you know, a, a mint in trade. The Cowboys right now are picking eight. It seems like uh, the, I think the Bengals end up better than them. The Bengals have been have been good recently. Uh, the Dolphins may end up better than them. So the five six range looks correct for the Cowboys if they continue to tank. But you know, in the NFC East, who knows? So they if they would give up the sixth round pick, man, this is <laughs> this is going to have to be like a this is going to have to be like a Ricky Williams trade. Yeah, the if they would th- give up their their six. They're they're two, they're three, I don't know, a, a one and a three next year and a one and a two the year after that. Mm. Does that is does that get the Jets to trade off that number one spot? Uh, basically eight. What what is that? Seven seven top three round picks, including three first round picks, for the number one overall pick in the draft and dropping down five spots. I think I think you could <laughs> I think you make a case. Yeah, I think I think you get it. If you feel if you feel that comfortable with Dak, then yeah. Then yeah, yeah it I happens. guess I I don't know who they'd be going down for is the problem. This this might be one of those weird situations where they traded down again from 6 be, unless they were looking for like a Greg Rousseau who I'm not a giant fan of from Miami mm-hmm. or um Patrick Sertain's kid, Patrick Sertain the 2nd from Alabama. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. This they might. This might just be a situation where they turn that number one pick in the draft into something, something just dumb, something like I don't know, twelve or thirteen draft picks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this hypothetical. It makes me excited, but oh, a hypothetical nonetheless. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's trading the right <laughs> to have have Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback, especially a cost controlled quarterback for right. you know those those first four years. Five's going to get a little expensive, but yeah, yeah. You that and that's when you have that. We see this with every team. That is when you have to capitalize on the on every other position and putting guys around him because right now, look, quarterbacks are making forty million dollars a year. Yeah. If you draft a quarterback and he's only making eight, that's a gigantic advantage if that guy's good. Right, right, it really is, and all all signs point to that uh, Lawrence looking being good. Yes, I, I think that is safe to say. Although they did not manage to cover the forty six point line this past weekend against Syracuse. So who knows? Maybe know, maybe, no, no, maybe Trevor Lawrence stinks. <laughs> uh, let's do some uh, let's do some picks for this week's games. Uh, pulling it up right now. My internet has not been spectacular. Shout out to uh, to Comcast. Thanks for that. And our first game Thursday night looks like uh, Julio Jones will participate. The Atlanta Falcons head to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. Bovada has the Carolina Panthers minus three at home. Man, uh, I was close. I was close mm-hmm. with this Panthers team and the Saints last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that, it tells me everything I need to know about Carolina and that they are steady and they're strong. So give me Carolina here with Atlanta. That that uh, <laughs> that run, you know, from the coaching change seems to have, have squandered itself because you know, as, as good as they looked um, in competing with the Lions to it in a close game down to the wires and understatement, that is the type of thing that just will absolutely deflate you in every single way. Uh, and, and so deflated they will be. Give me the Panthers. Mm. 
Yeah, Panthers make a move of their own this week. They released the incredibly talented but also super troubled cornerback Eli Apple. The good news, however, Matt Rule currently hopeful that Christian McCaffrey is going to be able to play this Thursday night against the Falcons. Man, I would give him the one more week. And you have, you have that long week. You have a little 10-day break before their next game. Ah, if I were coaching that team, McCaffrey sitting one more. Yep. But, uh, you know, not my choice to make. So good luck to them. And uh, Christian McCaffrey owners, I would probably probably look to deal him because I'm expecting that he is not going to play a lot of games this season. The uh, Los Angeles Rams head to Miami to take on Tua, Tungo Vailoa, <laughs> and those Miami Dolphins. Bavada has the Dolphins plus four at home. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a shout out to the Dolphins, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, the three and three For is sure. impressive at this point. Uh, I th- I th- also think it's the right call. Uh, we p- spoke on this a little bit last week. I'm excited to see what Tua does in a, in a full full game scenario. Rams aren't the <laughs> the best team to play as far as if you're looking for spectacular numbers or or mm. you know the the feel or the passing the eye test. But what you will get is if he if he lasts physically, um, that he will have met. Um, as tough as a defensive front as he'll ever see. Uh, and uh, he'll be able to use that as a reference point moving forward. And that can't be anything but good with a, a, a cerebral mind like Tua's. With that said, I mean, the Rams are the much, are the better team. And we'll, we'll prove that. Give me the Rams here. Yeah, I'm looking. Why is this? I think this is just listed. Yeah, it's just listed wrong for some reason. On my sheet here, I'm seeing it as an 8 a.m. game, which confused me because mm-hmm. maybe it originally scheduled to be a London game or something like that. But yeah, uh, it's it's it is a 10 o'clock start, gotcha. uh, 10 o'clock West Coast start. Um, everything revolves around us on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. The Indianapolis Colts travel to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions. Bavada has the Lions plus three at home. Yeah. Whoa. Um <laughs> I guess there was more a testament to the Falcons than the Lions as far as mm-hmm. that win, but uh, there were just little things in that Lions game that just pointed in the right direction. The end of the half field goal was was very well done, uh, and, and it was usually an opportunity to squander and and look foolish. They did not. I mean, obviously the the last drive, letting letting uh, the letting Gurley score, mm-hmm. all those things point to okay. Something's clicking, and uh, the Colts are going to be a tough matchup to see if if that holds true. Uh, but it's a great matchup for the Lions if they do. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pick the Lions here. Ah, uh, so this one's an interesting one. The Las Vegas Raiders head to <laughs> Cleveland to take on the Cleveland Browns. Bavada has the Browns minus two and a half. And let me tell you, Mario Hines, I spent the first quarter of that Browns game thinking about. Oh, should the Browns go after Dak Prescott or Matt Stafford as their next quarterback this offseason? As Baker was 0 for 5 for 0 yards in the first quarter, <laughs> along with an interception that got Odell Beckham Jr. a, a torn ACL and uh, you know an early end to his season. Yeah. Then Baker responded by going 22 for 22 over the rest of the game. I'm not going to count the spike. I know he was technically 22 of 23. We're not holding the spike against him. No, we won't. And uh, five touchdowns. So he managed to shut me up pretty well. Also, it's interesting that there's this narrative that he's better without Odell. And once again, evidence kind of pointed to that being the case. 
How do you feel about this game? My thing is, a better pass to Odell is a completion. <laughs> and, you know, you maybe you continue with the trend. Uh, it was the Bengals. So mm-hmm. I think it was expected for him to get it together if he would have started off slow, whether Odell continues to play or not. I don't like the notion that your best player offensively or one of your best players offensively uh, causes the offense to be worse. I don't like mm-hmm. that theory. Is that I try agree. Not to subscribe to that theory, so I won't. It's just really unfortunate, uh, and and it's it's a. I think what it does do. I think where the nuance of that is what it does do is makes everyone else hunker down, including uh, play calling uh, and and making sure that you know you are are on top of your game, and that's what we saw. Uh, that won't be sustainable, but it it will be a consistent improvement. Um, 22 of 22 is not sustainable is what I mean. No, no. It's, so, that was or a anything Cleveland Browns fashion. record, by the way. Yeah, so, um, but really interesting stuff. Uh, the Browns are should beat the Raiders. The Browns should beat the Raiders. So, uh, right now, I'm going to continue to say that that, that they're, they're heading in the right direction. I mean, they uh, everything else looks, looks good and solid outside of the quarterback play. And if we saw an improvement with that, there's no reason to think they can't beat the Raiders. Yeah, no, uh, previous to this, 16 completions in a row, I believe, was the Browns' record. And then Baker threw 21 up, or I forget whether it was 20. It must have been 21 because he was that last pass was obviously the touchdown to Donovan Peoples Jones after the, the spike. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was fun. I, I will say that I do think he goes through his progressions a little bit better and doesn't try to force feed when, when I guess, when he's not trying to force feed Odell. I feel, I feel like both of those guys just have a, a weird pressure on them to make it work when mm-hmm. it, it hasn't been a natural thing for them. No, I agree. I agree with that. And, and, and that is apparent and okay. Like we'll take it. But um, I mean the, the, the best find the way and that's what we were hoping and that's the standard mm-hmm. we were carrying. But um, it's okay to admit that, that he, he may feel a little less pressure, which allows for him to play a little bit better when uh, yeah. Odell's not there. Up next, the Minnesota Vikings head to Green Bay to take on the Green Bay Packers. Bavada has the Packers minus seven. Uh, Minnesota, they're in a tough spot. They're in a tough mm-hmm. spot because they can't pass the ball worth a damn. Uh, and 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 now and and now it's trickling down to the defense and their ability to 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 finish games, even get to the second half uh, without without some some moments of implosion. So. You know, you're facing a team that that probably feels as confident as as they're gonna feel all season, and that's not gonna bode well. So, give me the Packers here to establish dominance in the North. Well, let's talk about the AFC East. Mario Hines, the uh, <laughs> New so England Patriots, fun. head to Buffalo to take on those Buffalo Bills, the division leading Buffalo Bills. Wow. Bavada has those division leading Buffalo Bills minus three and a half. So, Chris, my request for you Sir. is to please have the stat ready. That will tell me when was the last time the New England oh Patriots lost three straight games in an NFL season, because we're on the brink of that. Uh, what are we? What's today? Uh, so we're about three, three, three days, three or four days away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffalo, at at their worst this season, um, has <laughs> what beat the the Patriots and how they've looked recently. So uh, I don't think the Buffalo, I don't think Buffalo brings their worst, and New England's gonna have to to right the ship. But um, you know the other side of that is is if anybody's going to find the thing that gets uh, the team going, whether it be um, 
becoming more of a stalwart on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Bill Belichick, but I just don't, I just don't see it. So give me Buffalo. Well, I'm going to throw some stuff at you right now. Mm-hmm. The New England Patriots have not won a football game since they beat the Raiders on September 27th. They've lost three in a row. Had a bye week. This could be four ah. for the uh, for the Bills. I'm shocked to see that, and uh, I continue to talk because I I want to see. I lost two in a row twice in 2018. Uh, didn't never never lost more than one in a row. In 2017, obviously that was a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. No more than one in a row in 2016. Two in a row twice in 2015. Uh, no more than one in a row in 2014. Hey, this Patriots team might be pretty good. The uh, <laughs> No more than one in a row 2013. Uh, two in a row once in 2012. Two in a row once in 2011. We're, this is the thing that only goes to 2003. So uh, <laughs> 2010, one in a row. 20, uh, 2009, two in a row. 2008, one in a row. 2007, well, that they were perfect that season. That's a zero L's on, uh, on that schedule. 2006, one, uh, two in a row. And one of them, the Jets, 2005, one in a row, 2004, one in a row, 2003, <laughs> one in a row. So, yeah, I, I've exhausted as far as ESPN will take me back. And uh, they have not, other than this season, have not lost more than two games in a row in any season. Whew. Does not and fare well. Basically two decades. Yeah, Tom Brady's pretty good. Yeah, it's funny how having great players, especially at the quarterback position, you pay attention to this, Jets fans, makes your team a lot better. Uh, yeah. it, and granted, it, it helps when that guy is arguably the greatest player to ever play that position. That too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anyway, those New York Jets head to Kansas City, boy, to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Mario, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the line is at Bavada? Give me... Uh, give me the Chiefs at and they're at home. Uh, give me the Chiefs at minus eighteen. How do you feel about minus nineteen and a half? I feel so good. <laughs> I feel so good. This is this is really testing the notions that we've talked about in the past. Where if you see the Jets game, just take the other team. And boy, minus nineteen and a half in an NFL football game is unheard of. It's nuts, and it's so plausible and feasible uh-huh. and likely. And, <laughs> I mean, the Kansas City offensively kind of took the week off last week and won comfortably. I don't think they do that this week, and they will win comfortably. <laughs> they cover? They cover. They cover. I, I mean, if you want, bet it. Bet on it. Okay. Probably the game of the week here. The Pittsburgh Steelers head to Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Bavada has the Ravens minus three and a half. I mean, looking at the numbers, I mean, the record, Pittsburgh's a better team than the Ravens. Mm-hmm. When you p- close your eyes and say that, you can't and pick, you can't picture it. Uh, but it's a good matchup, and and it's it's in in a division where I think this is one of the 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 most you know brutal brutal rivalries that that gets um that we get to indulge in. Mm-hmm. I think Lamar Jackson. Steps it up, uh, and, and and Pittsburgh takes their first loss. It's time. Baltimore has done this thing where they've kind of um been really really good, but I, I they don't feel they don't feel Chiefs good, and I think mm. uh, they want to make a statement this week and feel Chiefs good 
um, and they'll win. They'll win and cover the line. Well, speaking of not being uh, blank good, do we? How do we feel about Lamar Jackson this season? Only on pace to throw for three thousand yards, twenty-seven touchdowns, on a sixty-three percent completion percentage, and uh, just it doesn't look like he's the Lamar Jackson of last season. I think what's caught up is, I mean, you can only do so much without lack of playmakers. We kind of saw it with Vic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that the, the it catches up to you as far as defenses and things like that. It's just the nature of sports. It's the nature of especially professional sports. The, mm-hmm. the better players you have, the better you will be over a long period of time. And, you know, it's, it's just, you know, they've had drop problems. Uh, and that, you know, obviously goes against Lamar and, and, and his numbers and the numbers go against the perception. And yes, he's not been as amazing, uh, but, you know, that that uh, that that on fire feeling comes with, you know, a little help here mm. and there. And uh, that's what I would say he needs uh, before we start to, to, to talk about any regression, which is not what I'm saying you're saying. But, you know, obviously <laughs> that's the next step. Fair enough, and I guess you know only 3,100 yards passing last season, but 36 touchdowns to uh, to the 27 projected this year. Doesn't you know the thing you like about Lamar doesn't turn the ball over six this uh, six last year on pace for about that this year on pace for about a thousand yards rushing this year. You know five or six touchdowns, so a good season, just not. Not the season that maybe we thought he was going to have after he dismantled that Browns team week one. Exactly. It was looking uh, otherworldly, and it's definitely cooled off. All right. The Tennessee Titans head to Cincinnati to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Bavada has the Bengals plus six at home. Yeah, they can't see what Tennessee does well, (laughs) and that's (laughs) control the clock, pound, um, and, and, and not turn the ball over or make you earn your turnovers and Cincinnati just isn't there yet. I think they'll play a good half um, or a good total of halves, meaning maybe one quarter each half, uh, and it won't won't nearly be enough. So give me the Titans in a pretty comfortable win. I think you're probably right there. The Los Angeles Chargers head to Denver to take on the Denver Broncos. Bavada has the Broncos plus three at home. Yeah, it was one of those things in Denver. Um, it, it, it's that season where – uh, playing in Denver means something, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if 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 the Chargers are ready for that. They're just looking really good running the ball, um, and I think that's something that will be the Achilles heel for for the Chargers this week, um, as their slow start will will bite them in the butt. So give me a uh, Denver here. The New Orleans Saints head to Chicago to take on the Chicago Bears, coming off a uh, absolute drubbing the other night. The Bears plus four and a half at Pavada. Neither one of these teams are as good as you want to believe. Who comes out on top? Uh, I still think Chicago being um, the more consistent uh, quarter-in, quarter-out team um, and getting uh, Eddie Jackson back from a scare uh, means a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. So give me Chicago here. The last of the uh, the earlier games on Sunday, the San Francisco 49ers head to Seattle to take on the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, Bavada has the Seahawks minus three. Seattle feels really bad about what yeah, happened. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They feel bad. And it was it was it was a waste. It was a waste of 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 great effort. And you give your 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 kudos to the Cardinals team. Uh, in Seattle, you know they they're gonna write they're gonna write that wrong. It stinks that it has to be at the hands of the Niners who. Um, seem also to be heading in the right direction. Uh, but give me Seattle here to, again, try to keep pace with the Packers. 
Yeah, we uh, talk about guys who might not be human. We talk about LeBron James and Tom Brady just being robots. Well, that play that DK Metcalf made this past weekend was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen on a football field, and it was making a tackle on an interception. Buda Baker makes the pick going towards the opponent's end zone. DK is in his own end zone going the wrong direction about 10 yards back, and he catches Baker at the six. It... (laughs) one of those things that try it yeah <laughs> you know like it's impressive to see but try it and then and then you'll understand again these are all professionals buddha baker is no slouch no and uh yeah and 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 dk metcalf's huge so all those things uh, great play hustle play now dk has to live up to that <laughs> hustle play every time there's an interception so you know good luck there but amazing to watch yeah, like I just thinking about the physics behind this is so crazy. If okay, it would be one thing if if you know Buddha and DK are both heading in the same direction at the time of the interception, and and DK is like eight yards behind him, but DK is ten yards behind him, running the wrong way, has to turn his momentum in the complete opposite direction and catch a guy who already has momentum running into the interception. Oh my God, that just Baker should have scored. He should have been. There should have been nobody within 20 yards of him when he scored. Untouched. Yeah, untouched. Yeah. And that's, like I said, try it with your your friend and yeah. see and see how that goes. And then think about that with the with these guys. Well, no Sunday night line for the uh, the Eagles Cowboys game because of the uncertainty about who was going to be at quarterback for the Cowboys. Andy mm-hmm. Dalton was held out of practice today. He hasn't cleared concussion protocol yet. Apparently, the Eagles are diving into Ben DiNucci, James Madison tape. So uh, I'm not 100% sure how much they're going to get out of that. We will jump to the Monday night game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to New York to take on the New York football Giants. And Bavada has the Giants plus 10 at home. If you're playing in New York, against New York, um, take the other team. Mm-hmm. And again, we, we, we talked about where this Buccaneers team is going. It's going to feel good. It's going to feel good to be on national TV and get this done the way they're going to get it done. It might be a uh, it might be a clinic. So um, give me give me the Buccaneers to cruise. Yeah. And this Giants team is just they're just real bad. <laughs> they're they're real bad. And the Bucks are getting real good at the right time. So good luck to the New York football Giants. I'd love to see them win a couple of games and get them out of that uh, second or third pick in the draft. But I, I'm just so resigned to the fact that it's very likely three top 10 picks are going to get dumped into the NFC East. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, also, but you can hang your head on the fact that, you know, you got the NFC East is full of such, um, how can I put this gently? Um, (laughs) Not so, not so wise moves that two of those three probably won't pan out. Well, well, we shall see. I'm cautiously optimistic, as I always am, for the Eagles. Jalen Rager bucking the trend of uh, Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver as, for the second time this season, he looks to be returning early from an injury on track to play Thursday night. And uh, Dallas Goddard also, they activated him in the 21-day window to practice. Probably doesn't play Thursday. Jason Peters is back until he gets hurt on the fourth or fifth snap little bit disappointed to see he's playing left tackle with Jordan Maialata kicked out to right tackle, given the Lane Johnson issues. Uh, I personally wouldn't screw around with how good Maialata has looked. 
let him play left tackle. Uh, Peters was brought it back to be a guard anyway. That would have been what I did, but we'll see. We'll see. I am cautiously optimistic as the Eagles start to get a little healthy and uh, you know, win this division. And then, you know, anything can happen once you get into those playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Sure. <laughs> That's what I tell myself. By the way, it, it's not going over well in my household that the Browns are 5-2 and two and in third place in their division, and the Eagles are 2-4-1 and one leading their division. <laughs> this is the life um, that you deserve. Oh, thank you, buddy. I don't, I don't know if I deserve the Eagles being good or to have to deal with the consequences of that or potentially both, but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think on that over the next week. That's <laughs> going to be the show for this week. For Mario Hines, I'm Chris Forwardell. Thanks for listening. This has been the Underdog NFL Show, and we'll see you next time.